Good morning. Welcome, everybody. I'm so glad you're worshiping with us today. Welcome to those who are joining us online on one of our online platforms. And uh, we are it, we're studying the book of Nehemiah. And if you've been here, then you know kind of where we are and where we've traveled. We're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 9 in just a second, uh, if you want to find that. Uh, picking up in Nehemiah chapter 9, uh, the wall has been built. That's sort of the main project of the book. Uh, but the wall is done. It was 52 days of grueling work, sweat, hard work. Uh, it, it was 52 days of attacks or threats of attacks, attacks from outside, some undermining that was going on from the inside. So all of these struggles had to be faced by Nehemiah, who was leading this whole project. And around chapter 7, all of it is done. The physical construction is done. And, and then the nation begins to realize, and, and Nehemiah and the worship leaders begin to lead them through a different sort of rebuilding. And, and really, it's, it's the harder part of rebuilding because it's the inner rebuilding. It's, it's what's going on on the inside of us. And, and I've found in my life, maybe you've found as well, that inner rebuilding is more difficult than physical rebuilding. Dealing with what's going on inside of me is more difficult than uh, making a, a project happen. I mean, for one thing, a, a project is visible. You see it. You know when uh, progress is being made. It's measurable. You know when it starts. You know when you're in the middle. You know when it's completed. The inner work is not as easily measurable. We don't, we're not always consciously aware of everything that's going on on the inside of us, and to some degree, the inner work is never done. Like You never drive in the last nail. You never place the last brick. It's never finished. It's a constant, ongoing work inside of us, and it's much harder than a physical project. I don't know if you're at least mentally making note of the fact that we're coming up on the one-year anniversary of the shutdown for the pandemic, don't know if you've thought about that, but one year ago on this Sunday, first Sunday of March, I guess maybe the second Sunday of March a year ago, I think it was the eighth last year, uh, this Sunday was the last time we would physically meet together for three months. Uh, and, and it was D-Now Sunday. Uh, if, you, if you didn't know, we had D-Now again this year, and that's what all the blue shirts that say build and the students down here, about half of them were in the early service, half of them are in this service, which normally they don't come to this service because normally they stay in homes and they all come to the early service for D-Now weekend, but we didn't do the homes thing this week. We had a great weekend. Did we have a good weekend, students? Yeah. Yeah. Students are still awake enough this morning to cheer. If they look a little bleary-eyed, then those are definitely the ones who are at D-Now. But just an awesome week. Ian did a phenomenal job leading through the week. Our, our volunteer leaders showed up. It was just a great, great week to be together. Um, if you smell the lingering smell of hamburger, that is also from yesterday. Uh, if you go in the warehouse, it's pretty strong over there. We did manage to set the fire alarm off which we've never done before, so uh, that's, that's great. Uh, nobody was harmed, but the fire alarm did go off yesterday in the middle of grilling hamburgers. Uh, but just like last year, we had a great D-Now this year. Uh, one year ago, we all met, and rumors were starting to swirl. We didn't know exactly what to make of them. 
Uh, under the category of this didn't age well, if you were here that Sunday, you remember Jono came out in a hazmat suit to start the announcements, and we kind of playfully made some announcements, and, and fortunately, looking back now, fortunately, I followed that with some serious comments. I don't remember what they were other than uh, we have no idea what's going to happen. We're keeping an eye on it. We have some folks who work at the CDC who go to our church. We're talking to them. We'll let you know. And five days later, if you remember, it was Friday the 13th when we decided not to have in-person services on the 15th. So uh, this Friday uh, will be one year since we made the decision. This is, again, the last Sunday we all gathered together until the middle of June. And then we started rebuilding from there. I was putting schedule together and moving chairs around and figuring out how we're going to do this and then... Soon after that, we started student ministry back, and then several weeks after that, we started children's ministry back, and we went into the fall, and, and things were going great, and we got to Thanksgiving and Christmas, and we had pictures with Santa, and then we had to go back online. We didn't have in-person Christmas Eve, and then we started back in January. So all of these scheduling rebuilds that we did, all of these structural rebuilds that we've had to do, new policies, things we've never had to consider before, we had to start considering. You've been doing this in your personal life as well. Uh, at your work, you've had to kind of work through all of that and, and what is new and what's not normal. Our schools have been managing that uh, over the past Year grocery stores are different, banks are different. Like all of this stuff that we we've tried to kind of put the pieces back together, and and that hasn't been easy. But I, I would suggest that's the easier part, because now as as we're a year in, and as we're maybe starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel, there's a lot of inner stuff that we've got to work through. After all this, I think there's a lot of emotional stuff. Uh, maybe we've admitted and maybe we haven't admitted yet um, some fears and anxieties that we're now we're in the process of figuring out what to do with all of those. I, I don't use this term flippantly, but I, I, in these conversations, I often describe it as PTSD that we're all going to work through once we start getting back together and it's going to feel weird. And so all, all of that sort of emotional uh, journey that we're going to be on as we come out of that emotional rebuilding. For some of it's it's anger. At various times through this, we've been angry at other people. Uh, we've we've been angry at decisions that were made by various organizations. We've been angry at the grocery store. We've been angry at the church. Or we've been angry at the school. Or we've been angry at whomever posted whatever. And so for some of us, it's anger that we've got to process. We've got to figure out what we're going to do with that. For some of us, it's the discouragement. And, and by the way, I think we've all been angry at some point in this. If, if at nothing else, it's just the situation. Maybe we, were angry at, we weren't angry at a person or we weren't angry at an organization. We were just angry that life was so different. For some of us, it is discouragement or even depression that the isolation has brought that that's a lot more difficult than figuring out how we're going to do our grocery shopping, right? That inner world and, and bringing peace to that inner world, that, that's the really hard work. For some of us, it's relational because through this, for various reasons, uh, some as innocent as the fact is we haven't seen each other 
there's kind of relational divides now. We're getting to know each other again. We're, we're figuring out how to be friends again, uh, how to sit down and have a meal together again. For, for others, it's interpersonal conflict. We've talked about this before. Interpersonal conflict that's come up during all of this. And, and now that maybe we're almost out of it, we got to figure out what to do with that. And maybe that begins a year in. Maybe that begins looking back uh, a year ago and realizing none of us knew what was about to happen. Like none of us knew. N- none of us knew how we were going to respond. N- none of us knew what we would do. N- none of us knew the positions we would take or the sides we would take. None of us. This was new for all of us, a brand new experience for all of us. And so... This relational reconnection probably is going to have to start with all of us saying, you know what, we all tried to do the best we could. We took the information we had and we tried to make the best decisions possible and, and you ended up somewhere different from me and they ended up somewhere different from you, but we were all trying to figure it out. And, and maybe beginning today, we just commit to offering grace to each other and compassion to each other. Um, because what's the alternative, really? I mean, the alternative is we just stay mad at each other forever and ever, I guess. I guess we, you could do that. We could just stay in conflict with each other, and we could just stay mad that you did it different than I did. If you want, that just doesn't seem like a really good way to live life. And so maybe now's the time to start extending that grace and that compact. That's the inner world that we're trying to put in the right place as we come out of this. In Nehemiah, the wall has been built, but the inner world is still not right. They're still not at peace. And for them, it was rebuilding their spiritual world, which I would suggest is the foundation for all of these other things that we've talked about. Like the relational world in your life is dependent, I think, on your spiritual world being right. And if you're going to offer grace to other people, it's going to be because you've discovered grace for yourself. If you're going to offer compassion to other people, it's going to be because you realize just how much compassion you need. And that comes spiritually, seeing everything through the eyes of Jesus and through the eyes of His grace and forgiveness for us. So at a foundational level... If all of these other inner world issues are going to get resolved moving forward, it's, because, it's going to be because our spiritual world gets resolved. That our, our spiritual world gets worked out. In Nehemiah chapters 8, 9, and 10, that's what they're attempting to do. They're attempting to reset their spiritual life. Uh, it, 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 the term for it is covenant renewal. Throughout the Old Testament, there are these moments where the nation collectively engages in what we call a covenant renewal. It's exactly what it sounds like. It's a renewing of their promises. We are recommitting to the promises that we made in the past, but we've stopped keeping. We're recommitting to what God has called us to, but we stopped doing that, and now we want to reorder our lives back around the commitments that God wants for us. This is the moment in the story of Nehemiah where the people decide, we don't just want a new wall, 
We want to be new people coming out of this. We, we don't want just a new wall. We want to be new individuals. We want a new us. Because it's not enough just to have a wall. We want to be different. We want to be right. Now, this, this covenant renewal, on the one hand, was a, a personal renewal. I mean, yes, on the one hand, each of us individually have to make certain commitments. But in the Old Testament, covenant renewal was a collective act. It was a corporate act. It was all of us together want to collectively be right with God. Let's do this together. Let's not make this so individualized that some of us do and some of us don't. As a nation, let's come before God and let's all get right with God at the same time because we admit, we know we have failed and we want to be right. So last week, we we finished up in chapter 8 when they were looking at God's Word. They were reading God's Word and they were beginning to realize we haven't been doing this. We haven't been keeping what God's word says. So they realigned their lives and their commitment around God's word. Then we roll into chapter 9. This is verse 1, Nehemiah chapter 9. On the 24th day of the same month, the Israelites gathered together fasting and wearing sackcloth and putting dust on their heads. Those of Israelite descent had separated